Dragon the Peg is recorded on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, the Cree, the Oji Cree, the Dakota, and the Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. Welcome to Dragon the Peg, a podcast series exploring the lives and careers of drag performers living in Winnipeg, Canada. My name is Graham Houston, and I'll be your host. This season we've had the absolute pleasure of hearing from a lot of amazing folks with one-of-a-kind experiences, including the oldest drag queen in Winnipeg and perhaps the first ever drag king in our city. Now we're dialing forward a few notches to sit down with the youngest performing drag queen in Winnipeg. She's a spitfire kid who, at 11 years old, is already giving queens five times her age a run for their money, with her awesome sense of humor, hysterical reads, and boundless creativity. So without further ado, please help me welcome a horror of Lady Frances, Olivia Limehart Skye. What are their names? Chewy and Egon. Egon? Yeah. Did you name them? I think I named Chewy, and then my mom named Egon. Egon. I like that one. Yeah, like from Ghostbusters. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love that. Olivia, you are the youngest drag queen in all of Winnipeg. Yeah. As far as I know, at least. Yeah. How does that make you feel? <laughs> um... It's cool. I'm the youngest drag queen in Winnipeg. Probably Western Canada. That's crazy. Well, maybe in Vancouver. I don't know about that. Do you feel groundbreaking? Do you feel revolutionary? Because I feel like a lot of the other drag queens in the city kind of see you as like a beacon of amazing change. Does that make any sense? Is that too weird? No, that makes sense. Yeah. Um... I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm glad I get to be the become a drag queen this early, because mm-hmm. then I'll have like more practice <laughs> later on of being a drag queen. Yeah, by the time that you're 18, you are cleaning up everyone's gigs. Yeah. When you hit the club scene, <laughs> we're screwed. <laughs> we're gonna be ruined. So, how did you first find out about drag? Because when I was 10, I don't think I knew drag was even a thing. Uh, my friend told me about RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. So then I started watching that mm-hmm. and, like, seeing, like, all the cool looks that they, like, create mm-hmm. and lip syncs Yeah. that they do and all the hard work. And so I wanted to, like, try it out. And then... I had a lot of fun, so then I wanted to do this. Yeah, kick yeah. it to the next level. Yeah. Do you know what season it was? Season eight. Oh yeah, which one was your favorite? Uh, favorite drag queen? Yeah. Kimchi. Yes, by yeah. far. She was a great one. She's the best. So then you kind of started showing off your looks at, was it was it the Drag Race viewings at the Tallest Poppy? Yeah. And you were out there every single week. Yeah. You even got to choose the different categories. Yeah, I, they just started asking me, like, what the category <laughs> is. How'd you choose? I don't know. I just, like, thought of, like, what category I was going to pick. 
mm-hmm. before, and then at the end, they asked me, like, what's the category? And then I was like, animals. <laughs> yeah, you you threw them for a loop every once in a while. Yeah. You'd be like, the category is food, and they'd be like, shit. Yeah. And yeah. I had a Dorito Queen look. You were a Dorito Queen. Yeah. Which was really incredible. Do you make do you make your own looks or do you get help from your parents as well? Well, I get helps like I get help from my mom with like the makeup. Mm-hmm. And then I usually like pick the outfit out. Yeah. And with that look my dad like helped me make the like crown yeah. uh out of like Dorito packaging. <laughs> It was really legendary. Yeah. So then what was your first experience seeing drag live in Winnipeg? Well, like, the first, like, live, like, show was, like, I think Bob the Drag Queen. Sweet. Yeah. And that was, like, a really good show. Mm-hmm. She did, like, a bunch of comedy and lip syncs. Is that the kind of drag that you want to be doing? Like... I'm only asking because your parent is, like, a legendary comedian. Are you kind of leaning towards the more comedy queen avenue? Or do you want to be uh, more of, like, a... I don't know. What what are the other categories of drag? <laughs> All of them. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're going to be a master. Well, you got time. Yeah. you got eight whole years. Oh, my God. Who is the first local queen that you saw perform? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Probably your mom. Yeah. Oh, Prairie? Probably. Prairie Sky. What do you, th- what do you yeah. think of... Okay, let's get into it. What do you think of Prairie Sky, mother <laughs> of the horrors of Lady Frances? I think she is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> she's fine. You know, she does well for herself. I, well, I mean, she's, like, really good at making outfits mm-hmm. and makeup. When did you meet Prairie? Do you remember when that was? Yeah. Was that earlier this year? That was, I think, last year. Actually, when you were a baby. Well, yeah, but I don't remember that. So you've so Prairie Sky is like a family friend? I don't know. I, I think I just met her when I was a baby. And then <laughs> also at, like, drag classes. Oh, yeah. Because there was, like, a drag class, and Lita, Tequila, Prairie, and... Quinzar mm-hmm. were like the three drag queens there mm-hmm. who were like teaching it. And I went with my mom and sometimes my dad and another friend. Yeah. Was that the one at fourth? Or was that the one at PTE? Fourth. The fourth ones. What'd you learn from there? How to like glue on na- like fake nails. Oh, God. And we like made crowns there. Hell yeah. And I put, like, a bunch of, like, jewels and stuff on it, and my friend had, like, a black crown with a snake wrapped around it. Sweet. Yeah. What is... Okay, so this is a two-part question. What is your favorite part of drag, of being in drag? Probably, like, performing. Yeah. And, like, lip-syncing to the song and doing all my moves. Yeah. And, like, death drops. (laughs) Can you do death drops? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god, who taught you? Or did you just... I, I I, think I just, like, learned by myself. Wow. Yeah. Is it scary? I can't do a test drop. Uh, not really, because I've already done it a bunch. <laughs> you are coming for our gigs. I did a death drop of a chair once. What? Did you hurt yourself? No. Wow. Was that, like, a, the 
dance at school. Sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. What is, okay, so what is your least favorite part of being in drag? Least favorite part? Yeah. I think one of the parts is, uh, like, walking around all day in heels. Mm-hmm. Ha- on Halloween. Yeah. I went in heels, and I didn't bring any other shoes, because I went to my <laughs> friend's house. Rookie mistake. <laughs> yeah. And then I was, I, like, walked, like, five blocks in heels. Yeah. And my feet were, like, hurting. Oh, God, yeah. So I had to stop, like, a block early. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, somebody picked me up. <laughs> and then just, like, waited in the car until the two other friends I went trick-or-treating with, like, got to the car. She's and treacherous. And I was the, like, female version of Where's Waldo? Sweet. Where's Wanda? Where's Wanda? Yeah. That's awesome. My least favorite is uh, press-on nails. Uh. They hurt so bad. Once I thought it was, like, tearing my actual nail yeah. off. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was actually just red nail polish underneath. Oh. <laughs> oh, you thought it was, like, your blood? Yeah, I, I knew I had red nail polish, but it, like, looked like actual Ugh. blood. Yeah, I'm still convinced every time I take off a fake nail that I'm gonna rip something off of my body. Mm-hmm. It's really scary. So, uh, between watching Drag Race and going to the Drag Race viewings and starting to know all the local queens and start performing... What are some of the biggest differences that you've found between drag on TV and drag in real life? Is there any, like, differences, or do you think they're pretty much the same? Um, there's more drama. (laughs) On On TV? TV. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, like, the editing. Mm -hmm. Like, making people look, like, like evil. Yeah. Then they're, like, actually really nice people. Mm Mm-hmm. But in real life, we're all just evil. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's no editing needed. There's no good guys in this story. Yeah. <laughs> so w- you first performed, would that have been at, at Drag Bingo? Or was it before? It was at the Goodwill. Oh. For, I don't, I, I don't remember. Moon Madness. Moon Madness? What was Moon Madness? I don't remember. It was the <gasps> puppet one. Where you sat in Carrie's lab and you guys did that. Oh, yeah. Ventriloquist. (laughs) Well, the first performance I did was I was a ventriloquist doll, Mm -hmm. and Prairie Sky was, like, controlling me. Yeah. And I was just, like, throwing shade at her. (laughs) And then the first lip sync I did was at the Goodwill, where I did tight pants Mm -hmm. slash body rolls. (laughs) And, yeah, I was, like, really nervous before. Yeah getting on both times and my dad played the troll in the song <laughs> for like a little part of it so then when you got on stage were you still nervous like throughout the performance or did that no, go away it like went away right away that's usually what happens mm-hmm. when i perform i'm like super nervous before the show and then i like have a great time on stage do you have any ways of like dealing with those nerves beforehand um, I don't know. Not really. <laughs> you just let it course through you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm always consistently a wreck. So that ventriloquist act was pretty legendary in the scene. People were talking about it for a very, very long time. Yeah. Also, I did a second time. Really? At Tallest Poppy. Sweet. Uh, during one of the like viewings of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> Do you remember any of your best reads from For Prairie Sky? Uh, 
there was I think one where it was like uh why why are you why did you want to become a drag queen in Winnipeg and then I said so that there could be some talent ah! in Winnipeg uh, <laughs> uh I think Prairie said like what does C-U-N-T stand for and then I I said look just look in the mirror mama <laughs> <laughs> So, Brie is your mom now. Yeah. When did she adopt you? My Well, my mom said, like, Prairie's probably just going to be your drag mom. Mm-hmm. Like, after the drag class. Yeah. And I guess, yeah. She snatched you right up. Mm-hmm. So, you're a horror of Lady Lady Frances. What's what's Prairie like as a drag mom? Because I heard that she painted you one time for drag bingo. Yeah. The, um, I don't know. She's cool. <laughs> She's very tall. Yeah. And did my makeup one time for I don't remember what event it was. I think that was the drag bingo the goth summer. Was yeah. it that one? Cuz uh, that's the one that I saw. Probably. Yeah, it was sweet. So also with Prairie being your drag mom and being a horror of Lady Frances, you have a ton of like really awesome drag sisters and brothers. Uh, let's start a scandal. Which one is your favorite, and which is your least favorite? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to answer that if you don't want to. Favorite? Yeah, who's your favorite drag sister or brother? Um, like, as a drag queen, or yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's go with that as a drag queen. Oh, okay. Um, I think Lita's pretty. Um, oh, yeah. awesome. Also, Feather. Oh, yeah. And, uh, like, Purple did, like, a death drop off stage. Yep. So, that's pretty amazing. And concussed herself. Let's uh, not leave out that part. She did concuss herself. I didn't see that. <laughs> but that's... <laughs> I have a really great photo, because I was taking photos that day. We talked about this in, in Purple's episode as well, but we I was taking photos, and she did a death drop, and she whapped her head. And got a concussion, so she was just laying there, concussed, but she looked uh. so serene, so I snapped a picture, so now I have this gorgeous photo of purple haze in a concussed uh, reverie, looking so gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens if you death drop improperly. So yeah. I'm glad to know that you don't get hurt. Yeah. That's really talented, I think. I don't know what my least favorite is, though. Hmm. I think you can think of one. <laughs> I just really want to start a scandal. It's okay. You can say Contessa is strange. Take the easy route out. <laughs> well, there's somebody I've seen some performances of who doesn't know their words to a lot of songs. That's pretty egregious. Uh, I don't. I don't think they're my sister or anything. But um, somebody I know. Granny Gaga. <laughs> ah! We're leaving that in. Granny needs to hear that. It's okay. Granny's really funny. Granny's a Granny's a great Granny's a great person. Knowing your lyrics, that's hard. Is it hard for you to memorize? It usually like takes me like I like practice for like three days. Yeah. Sometimes. And then I could like memorize. I have to listen for weeks. And then part of it is like thinking of dance moves. Yeah. To do. So I've seen that you're an artist too. You did Inktober. Yeah. And your work was really awesome. Like yes. actually very, very impressive. Especially since you're only, you're 10, right? Yeah. Especially since you're only 10. 
Um, how long have you been drawing? Uh, like, my whole life. Yeah, that's a weird I question guess. to ask for I know. someone. <laughs> for uh, a when I got, like, into art, maybe, like, four. So, you have, like, a really cool art style and a really cool mood. Thanks. Does that, what what inspires you for your, for, for drawing? And do you think that kind of, like, inspires your drag as well? I don't, I don't know, but... There's an artist who I really like, and it's probably one of my, like, biggest inspirations for art. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey Golden. Okay. It's a... She's a YouTuber. Sweet. Like, an art YouTuber, and I really like her art that she does. Awesome. Yeah. Believe it or not, but Olivia isn't the only iconic drag performer even in her own household. Now we'll be joined by Olivia's real-life parent, the amazing local comedian and co-founder of Woke Comedy Hour, Issa Kixon, also known as Drag King Gunkel Smokey Trickstar. Here to talk about raising a now 11-year-old drag queen and the true dreams of every queer parent, please help me welcome Gunkel Smokey. Gunkle Smokey Trickstar, and I am a Winnipeg drag king. You are the parent of Bolivia Limefart. She's pretty farty, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, Smokey. Yeah. I don't want to get too much into you mm-hmm. because I want to save that for a future episode. Yes. But I think it's also important to note that you are also one of Winnipeg's most legendary comedians. Oh, thank you. Which I think makes a lot of sense given. Olivia. <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't... The funny thing is, is that I don't think she realizes just how funny she is mm-hmm. a lot of the times. Like, I think it's all, like, you know, a very natural timing for her, mm-hmm. um, which is something that, you know, she's had all her life. Like, my child is gifted with the natural funny <laughs> ability do you think that's partly the result of being the child of two comedians? It could be. I mean, that could, that could be. Um, yeah, very much so. Um, but also, just you know, I think, I think as children grow, I think a lot of times parents don't, parents don't give kids enough credit for their own natural personalities. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times that gets stunted as you get older. Yeah. Like, a lot of missed opportunity happens when kids are being silly. And um, that's something that I never, ever did, was quash that, like, silliness. Mm-hmm. And so, in turn, it has translated into, you know, like, her art and also this beast of a drag queen that is blooming before everybody's eyes. Absolutely. So you have a very unique circumstance in that you are a drag king who is also the parent of a of a of a ten year old drag queen. Yeah. What's that like? Is that crazy? Or is that just it is. It is, especially since I really um I had no intention of ever doing drag. Like, I've always been a huge fan of drag. Mm. Not so much, like, you know, what they show on TV, but just, like, locally. Like, I, you know, I grew up uh, a queer kid, a queer Indigenous kid, in the closet for a really long time. And uh, I remember me and uh, Before Prairie Was Prairie, 
uh, we used to go to the queer clubs all the time. And that was where I could just be myself. And that's where, you know, I first started being introduced to, like, live queens. Mm -hmm. And I just always felt like a kindred, a kindred connection with, with them, just because it's this, this personality that you're only bringing out at certain times. Mm -hmm. And I really felt that. So having been somebody who was closeted and always kind of associated with that, it must, I don't want to put words into your mouth, it must feel very proud to have raised a child that is comfortable enough to be able to explore that and to live Mm -hmm. in a world where Mm -hmm. they're accepted for their art at such a young age. Oh, absolutely. Um, As somebody who was in the closet for way too long, um, that was one promise that my partner and I always made when we decided to be parents was our kid will never know what the inside of a closet looks like because we will raise them so that they can be comfortable to come out Mm -hmm. and be themselves, you know, immediately. Um, And I'm not saying that, you know, parents, all parents, you know, raise kids to be in closets, but we just, like, made an active effort. Regardless of whether they were, you know, going to be um, queer or not, it was just something that we both felt very passionately about. Absolutely. Which is, like, such a, I mean, heteronormativity is just so embedded in, like, especially white families. Yes. You know, where, like, the default is is straight Mm -hmm. and cis yeah and then everything else requires like a further explanation or reveal to it yeah so we were already um because my partner is um is cis and mennonite so you know when we when we coupled it was already kind of like a big scandal like Mm -hmm. the brain you know he brought this brown person and then this brown person he's also queer yeah so it was already kind of a big culture shock yeah um but i feel like now a lot of growing has happened and um in turn i feel like our kids have have made that possible you know because it's like now we have these children that we brought into the world like you have to you have to accept it mm-hmm. or, you know, live with the consequences of a lost relationship. And I don't think anyone ever really wants that. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So, um, one time I heard somebody say something that I thought was very cringy, but maybe mm. you won't. Maybe you have a different <coughs> perspective. But it was at uh, it was at a woke comedy hour and mm. Olivia was performing and somebody I heard somebody say, Olivia is every queer parent's dream. What is that? Like, how do you unpack that? Um, I mean, honestly, like, if Olivia, if Olivia was Olivia or not, like, you know, Olivia and Ron are my queer dream because they're my child. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that just, like, I get that it was, you know, meant to be, like, really, um you know like really nice and you know like I I get it but also that you know that puts so much pressure on um on queer parents who are raising hetero kids or um you know straight parents who are raising queer kids and those queer kids you know 
turn out to be quite ordinary you know like I I feel like it shouldn't be every parent's dream to have a queer child become a performer I think every parent's dream should be to have a healthy child who is comfortable with themselves Mm -hmm. Um, that should be every queer parent's dream and I mean Olivia is just a heckin' bonus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the cherry on top. Yeah, but, yeah. But Olivia's Olivia is a person, yeah. not like a not like a conceptual queer thing yeah. for you to like fantasize about having a child that's a drag queen. Like she's yeah. she's a person. She is a person, and I think, um, and I've heard I've had people make comments like. Um, like somebody tried to compare her to um, a stripper and saying like, you know, she's dancing for money. And I'm like, well, you know, I make jokes for money. You know, people fix teeth for money. Um, Kids deliver paper for money. You know, kids walk dogs for money. Like what's the difference between a kid dressing up in makeup, wearing dresses and lip syncing? Yeah versus you know somebody who washes cars for a living like that's i and i also think it kind of diminishes what sex sex workers do yes on on stage and i just like i i you know i felt like you know putting a child in such a a grown-up spot like i think people just make these sort of flash judgments without really ever putting thought into it and i think that's the only thing that I have found cringy about, you know, being a queer parent to a, a queer child who happens to be a drag queen. Yeah. Is just like these like weird flash judgy statements. Yeah. And I know not I know it's like not meant to, you know, be harmful or detrimental, but sometimes I'm just like, Can you think before you form words and they come out of your mouth? Like just think <laughs> for a moment. Is what I'm about to say to this parent necessary? Mm-hmm. And if you have to think about it more than once, then it's totally not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a weird... There's so many weird layers that people have to jump to make that assumption. I mean, it's like a stigmatization of sex work, obviously, but yeah. also, like, it's, it's a misunderstanding of what drag means, mm-hmm. immediately associating it with, like, sexuality, which, yeah. I mean, like... Sure, lots of it is. Yeah. A lot of it is not also. And yeah. then also like a bizarre association of queer identity innately with with like yeah. sexual um uh I don't know, with sexuality. Yeah, and I mean you know, I've I like I still like I do um correlate the two, like being mm-hmm. a drag performer and sexuality because mm-hmm. it is a celebration of one's sexuality you know like my child dresses up as a woman Mm -hmm. or as you know like a young woman and (laughs) is you know queer as heck Mm -hmm. um olivia has always identified as being pansexual so just you know being like i love everybody yeah and i think that is something that we need to start normalizing instead of something that we need to start um sexualizing because there's a big difference between sexuality and then sexualizing Mm -hmm. so you know automatically putting that onus on a child is just 
very bizarre to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a strange sort of thing that's kind of assumed for children that are assumed to be heterosexual Mm -hmm. versus children who are queer. There's innately this, like, sort of weird sexualization that is kind of also put on kids that are assumed to be cis and hetero, Mm. but it's more normalized. Like, I mean, people are always talking like, oh, he's going to be a little player someday if he's, like, talking to, like, a three-year-old. Like, it's... it's it, so strange. It, it is strange. And I mean, we, we put so much pressure on on kids to begin with, you know, like, especially with gender, mm-hmm. you know, like even just starting, you know, with like the gender reveals and then yeah. the the clothing with like, you know, like, you know, mommy's little princess or, you know, daddy's uh, football player. Like we we already put all this immense pressure on kids to begin with mm-hmm. and when a kid is expressing themselves like let's just take the pressure off of them and just you know see it for what it is and it's art or, you know yeah. innately so fully yeah so you started doing drag yourself shortly after Olivia did what inspired you to pursue your own drag career <laughs> I don't know if it was so much um I uh, was helping out with um, Like That Sunshine House uh-huh. uh, doing the Fringe Festival. Oh, yeah. And uh, originally I was just, you know, sort of like helping with um, the putting together of it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I, I do have a theater background. So, and I've done the Fringe Festival before. And so I was just there to, you know, help. But then there wasn't a whole lot of, um, there weren't enough people involved to help sort of like, conceptualize it fully so I was just like yeah okay I'll I'll do I'll do it mm-hmm. and then um, this character just sort of like developed um, just because I don't mind playing uh, shitty people <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I ended up playing this homophobic puppet and originally we were just going to have like hand puppets mm-hmm. and uh, couldn't find the puppets at Sunshine House and I definitely did not have enough time that summer to between uh, teaching theater and doing this play to actually make one. So I uh, threw together these like puppet bodies that I <laughs> um, attached to my shirt. So it looked like my head was just like a big head and then a little puppet body. <laughs> and uh, it started off with me just like hurling out insults like homophobic insults Mm -hmm. and then our play was too short and so they were like we need to throw in more numbers how about the puppets have a number and then I was just gonna like you know leave it there but then I had too many people sort of like come up to me after the show and say like hey that was really entertaining and I'm like no you're supposed to hate me that was a really (laughs) hateful character like I was awful and they were like yes that but also it was really fun to watch you Mm -hmm. should do it and so that just kind of picked up from there and Gunkle Smokey was born Gunkle Smokey was born yeah yeah I did I did talk to um Raynew and yeah. Davy, um, because they're also two local kings. And I just, you know, I was like, hey, can I, you know, can I pick your brains apart? And essentially they were like, just do it. 
that's ultimately, you know, what it comes down to is just making sure that you're being true to yourself and not other people's expectations of you. Yeah, and yeah. it served you well. You're you're so fun, and you've performed a ton in the past in since since you started in July. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess it was July was my drag birthday. Your drag B day. Oh. Mark it on the calendar. <laughs> so, last question before we sign off. Yep. Um, you know probably even better than I do that there was a time when drag wasn't just seen as like untrendy or uncool mm-hmm. but it was also like very stigmatized and yes. marginalized and it was yeah. dangerous to be a drag queen yeah we're really lucky to be living in a time where it's mostly celebrated yeah in a lot of spaces yeah but do you ever have any fears of that kind of old mentality oh yeah i do um i mean you know as a comedian and the type of comedy that i do I'm, you know, I'm used to sort of taking that risk and being in spaces where I am not 100% accepted or welcomed and being able to push that that boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, so for myself, it's not as, I don't feel as, you know, in danger, but now that my kid's doing it, that thought is always there, mm-hmm. is always there. And... Um, I feel like until, you know, like until, until my kid's like, you know, 20 years old and, you know, moved out of the house, um, like I would never, I would never leave her um, unless it was with somebody that I truly trusted. Like Prairie Sky um, is such a um, fierce, fierce queen and so protective of her chosen family that I trust Olivia in her hands like a hundred percent um you know and her aunties like Lita Tequila and um Feather Talia Cake I like I trust those queens um with Olivia and a lot of her sisters like especially Purple Haze Purple has just been so supportive of Olivia and will often check in and be like hey just you know check in to make sure that Olivia is okay and if you know if her sister has to rough up anybody just let me know <laughs> like she's really good about that so like I do have that sense of safety but I know that um, I know that this world can be quite horrifying and so that thought is you know always there that um, you know, not just for my child, but, you know, for, for my chosen family. And, you know, um, I know that, you know, especially in this cur- current climate with um, Trump and just Canada is so uber conservative that, um, yeah, I do. I do wor- worry about my queer family and my drag family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it takes a lot of bravery to be able to do what you do and support what you do and we're all better for it (laughs) so your parent who's most certainly not in the room with us right now yeah uncle smoky trickstar your beautiful drag father yeah he is younger than you as a drag performer what is it like to have a to have a drag father that's younger than you. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't Do you ever really pull know. that clout? No. I never <laughs> thought about that. You should. You can say, "Hey, I'm older than you." <laughs> don't mess with Stop me. It. 
<laughs> Give her ideas. <laughs> so what's it like? What's it like having a having a parent now that also does drag? Is that super cool? Yeah, cause I also get to like see all the performances that he does mm-hmm. as some good performances. Yeah. So there aren't a lot of spaces in the city for drag that allow people who are under 18. Mm-hmm. How does that make you feel? Is that really frustrating? Uh, well, there's, uh, like, a airing of Dragula mm-hmm. at, like, Club 200. Yeah. And that's, like, my favorite show, mm-hmm. or one of them, and I can't find episode 7 anywhere. Yeah. And I can't, like, watch the airings of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a, that's a thing that I wish I could go to. Yeah, that's tough. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you keep it fresh as a as a drag queen when you can only perform every once in a while? Or do you think well, like doing it like once every once in a while is like better? I don't know. Well, I mean, I the Goodwill and Tallest Poppy. I've performed at there a lot. Mm-hmm. And one time I performed in Riding Mountain at like a place called like George's George's. George, George, <laughs> big, big George. I don't remember. Big George. <laughs> sure, that's what it's called. <laughs> Prairie and other the horrors of said. Prairie and some of the other horrors have said that you're a super shady queen. <laughs> have you always been shady, or did this just kind of pop up when you started doing drag? I don't know. It just <laughs> kind of popped up when I do drag. I don't. I don't. I like throw shade at like. Prairie Sky, because <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. And some of the other drag queens. I don't really throw shade that much <laughs> outside of that, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Unless I do, I don't... <laughs> Ask others. Do I? <laughs> do you find that you act differently when you're in drag? Because I find that my whole, like, body changes. I Yeah, I think I'm more comfortable in drag. Yeah? And, yeah... And I get to, like, dance around. Yeah. Yeah. You said more comfortable? Uh, more, like, confident. Ah, yes. Yeah, it does definitely give you a a cool kind of, like, sense of being in charge. Yeah. But I also find that physically I'm way more uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, like, wearing all that stuff. Yeah. Like, heels. Would you say that you're, like, a shyer person out of drag? Uh, I think kind of, I don't really, I'm not really good at just, like, talking to people. Mm-hmm. Most of my friends have, like, started talking to me, and then I became their friend. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I'm kind of shy. But when you're in drag, you're, you feel more comfortable just, like, getting out there. Yeah. <laughs> so, I know that you have a few friends that sometimes do drag with you. Mm-hmm. Or at least there's one friend that I met. Yeah. Yeah. There's one. Yeah, so do most of your classmates and friends know that you do drag? Yeah, I think all of them. Sweet. And, um, because we did this thing where it was, um, th- like, three things that represent you. Mm-hmm. And it, mine was, like, a pencil for, like, drawing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was just, like, a cat pillow, because I like cats. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, lipstick, because of drag. Mm-hmm. So I talked about that a little bit. Sweet. So, yeah. And do all your classmates think it's, like, super cool? Like, how do they feel about it? Yeah, um, some of my friends have, like, gone to the shows. 
Well, I mean, the friend who, the other friend who, like, does some drag is, like, in seventh grade now. Oh, yeah. So, I, yeah. I remember I was always, like, really scared to, to tell people when I started doing drag, because I was afraid of what they'd think about it. Yeah. Which sounds stupid now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because most people are fine with it nowadays, which is really awesome. All right, do you have any hopes and dreams for Olivia Limehart in the future? What do you want to do? What's your what's your what's your dream goal? Um, doing tours. Yeah. Yeah, like all around the world. Yeah. Would you ever want to be, be cool. like on Drag Race or something like that? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I I don't know. Um. I don't know if I would want to be on Drag Race. Um, I don't know if it changed now, but, like, I'm vegan. Oh. And, um, apparently, uh, maybe they changed it, but, um, they're, like, they don't have that much food for, like, vegetarians and vegans. Weird. And, like, um, Sharon Needles, like, survived off of bread and ranch. Oh, my God. And ranch isn't even vegan. So I don't know what I would eat. That's wild. Yeah. Makes sense why she was such a jerk on her season. <laughs> if she can only eat bread and ranch. I have a whole new, uh, I see her in a whole new light. Wow, that's tough. How long have you been vegan for? Uh, I think a year. Yeah, in like the first four years of your life you were vegan too. Yeah, Sweet. I was like raised vegan. Wow. And then we stopped being vegan, and then now I'm vegan again. Nice. So, yeah. Do you, do you find that hard? I find it so hard to, to try to be a vegetarian. Yeah. Just like, so much stuff has... But there is, like, like vegan versions of foods. Mm-hmm. Like vegan pizza. Yes. Yeah. There's some good vegan pizza. Little Pizza Heaven has oh. really good vegan pizza. Yes. And also Pizza Hotline. Hell yeah. Yeah. But I don't like when it's thin crust. Um, yeah, I like the crisp better also. Yeah, and all the, like, glue. Oh, no, it was gluten-free. It was gluten-free pizza crust that was so thin and crispy, I didn't like it. What kind of music do you like to pick for performing? Well, the performances I've done are, like, Phone and Tight Pants mm-hmm. and Big Girl and uh, Cartoons and Vodka. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, what, what was the, the way you make me feel? Yeah, Janelle. So, I don't know, I like a bunch of different types of music. Those are all pretty funny songs. Yeah. I think you're a comedy so, queen, Olivia. Yeah, I like funny songs. I think you're a comedy queen. Mm. Winnipeg's youngest and best comedy queen. What's your favorite show that you've done so far? Uh, I think Cartoons and Vodka. Hell yeah. Where was yeah. that? Was that at Tall's That was Pumpkin? at Riding Mountain. Oh, sweet. Whatever the place was called. Was that for Riding Mountain National Pride? Riding yep. Mountain National Park Pride. Yeah. Sweet. Um, and I walked in the parade for a little bit, and then we went to Subway. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, that was Steinbeck Pride. Oh, that was Steinbeck Pride. So you went to Steinbeck Pride as well. But yeah, in Riding Mountain, there was like a dance party on like part of the street oh yeah and we played limbo sweet and i'd survive through the whole thing because i'm tiny <laughs> <laughs> just walk right under it yeah that's so funny and we did the i danced to most of the songs i was kind of like awkward at first but then i like started dancing more 
Sweet. And also we played a game where it was like when the uh it was either music stops or like they had a a, a green scarf and like a red scarf and when they put up the red scarf uh we would have to stop dancing. Oh yeah. And when the green scarf was up then we get to keep dancing. Hell yeah, good old gym class games. Yeah, that was pretty fun. God, I miss gym class. Have you been going to prides all your life? Probably, yeah. Wow. I think so, we missed one pride one year, and it was because we were all sick. Yeah, yep. that checks. Mm. Would you ever want to perform on the Winnipeg Pride stage? The one, yeah. Yeah, the massive oh. one on the forks. Well, what did you that do would be for cool. this year's pride? Well, uh, this year, uh, at the Winnipeg, the Winnipeg Pride, me and uh, my mom uh, hosted one of the events. It was like the kids' event. Oh, sweet. The, the children's stage? Yeah, awesome. I think so. And, yeah, so that was pretty fun. Sweet. Did you do a number there? No. Or just on uh, mic? Yeah, I didn't... No. Yeah. That's so sweet. Oh, my God. I wish that I was a drag queen at 10 years old. Makes me think of all the missed time. <laughs> God, I would be so good by now. Awesome. Oh, good question. <laughs> what would you say to people who say that you are too young to be a drag queen? Who cares? Yeah! <laughs> Amen. I'm. You can be a drag queen whenever you want. Yeah. Yeah. You're out here doing it. Yeah. You're working hard. Yeah. You're getting money. Yeah. Hell yeah. Kid has a bank account now. You have a bank account because of drag? Yeah. <gasps> well, Olivia, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Yeah, thank you. This has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, this has been fun. Thank you so much to Olivia for sitting down with me. Our next guest is another relative newbie to the drag scene. At nearly a year and a half into her drag career, she's already participated in most major pageants around the city and founded Transcendent, a showcase for local trans, two-spirit, and non-binary drag performers. Here's a clip from her episode. The way things are and the way that things have been portrayed do not necessarily line up, and trans voices uh, especially those of, you know, trans women of color and sex workers and, you know, people who used drag as an escape, as a coping mechanism or, you know, as a source of income in the 50s, 60s, 70s. They're the ones that really kind of laid the groundwork um, of what drag is and the aesthetics and the styles that we continue to play with and the fashion trends that we see now um, emerging and then coming coming out of the woodworks again and again. But you know they their voices aren't the ones telling those stories because very often they're the ones that are either being killed or that have died because of because of aids because of suicide for whatever reason so the voices that survive are the ones that are that are able the ones that have the financial stability to keep living the ones that have the privilege of remaining hidden from from the public view which you know can very often be cisgender uh white gay able-bodied men Thank you so much to Claire Boning of Veneer for the lovely intro and outro music. And until next episode, please remember to always tip your local drag performers. Wow, I had a piggy bank at 10 years old.